Hey, Sam the Keeper here with a quick message for you. You're wonderful, and I hope you're doing okay in, you know, this times of COVID and stuff. In this episode, around the 15 minute mark, Ava gets a little bit emotional, and she throws out a couple of swear words. Now, I didn't think it did the scene any justice to bleep those words out, so I left them uncensored. So, just a little heads up for you. Now, here's Rainbow with a recap. Previously on The Player's World, Luz and I found Augustus out in the alleyway, along with Mr. Trenchcoat Man. Eli and Ava saw that those antelope minis were in trouble uh, and went to go save them from certain death. Luz sliced off Trench's fingers, um, but that really only seemed to make him kind of mad. Eli did a magic wall that came in just in time, but apparently Trench was still able to suck out something called Vibrance from Augustus's necklace, which he took for some reason. Find out what happens next on The Player's World! Eli's hand presses on the cool stone of the door into Arid societies. Looking back, we see he and Ava exchange a nod before he pushes and slides the stone door open. I think Eli would pause for a second as his hand hit the door because the minute his hand hit the door, the thing on my bob happened. Okay. So yeah, my hand touches to the door and I say, um, something's wrong. I mean, there's there's a lot of things wrong, Eli. No, 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 no. There's something just kind of looks back, like, where they came from. We need to finish this quickly. Ava turns to look in the same direction, but of course sees nothing besides, you know, forest and is confused. Yep. We need to finish this up as quick as possible. Okay. Let's do this. Eli, and you reach your hand out and you push and slide open the stone door. A small puff of dust kind of whooshes outwards as you sort of creak and slide this door back. The room that you step into has been very dimly lit. As this dim light kind of flickers off the interior stone walls of what appears to be this like age-old temple. The walls on either side of this chamber, this, this temple space, lean slightly inwards on each other and your eyes train upwards but are unable to find where the two walls meet because they just sort of stretch up into total darkness before they meet. The air sits thick and old with the smell of moldy old fabric and dust sits uneasily on your senses. Though this room is quiet, what you can hear is a quiet chittering coming from the other side of this room. I would like to roll right. read a bad situation. That's exactly what I was going to say. Roll plus sharp. I got seven for sharp. I got eight for sharp. Okay, so you both get to hold one. We'll go with Ava first. Ava, what are you doing as you kind of step into this room? I'm looking around. I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to get the lay of the land at this point. As much as I can see, anyways. 
where things are, if there's places we can hide, if there's places we can use as defensive, um, offensive, anything like that. What is most vulnerable to me? I don't think we've done that one yet. What is most vulnerable to you? Yowza. Interesting question. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I'm curious to know what the answer will be. Okay. So as you step into this room, it's like this old Egyptian burial chamber. That's the kind of aesthetic that we have. There are stone sculptures um, adorning the sides of this room. You have stone benches and sarcophagi, which are like um, very ornate coffins, if you guys don't know what they are. Know what a coffin is. It's that thing you get when you're sick. Oh, God. So... The way this room is set up, it's like this rectangular room. In the center is this like blank walkway space, which like you intuit since this is a museum is just kind of where the public would mill about. What's most vulnerable to you, I guess, is if you stayed in this open space, if you were like to go into combat. Right. So most, most vulnerable to you is being in an open space. And obviously to avoid that might be to use the cover of these different ornaments throughout this room. How's that? Perfect. So I, I'm i going to notice this and get the bad feeling in your stomach you get when something is just off. Um, start to head over to the side. So I'm going to be like, hey, Gav. Or I almost called you Gav. Gavin. <laughs> Man, th- we just need to stop happening with our name mix-ups. I mean, come on. <laughs> Eli, um, something, we shouldn't be in the middle. We need to head over to the side, especially, I mean, you hear that noise, right? Speaking of which. Yes, what question would you like to ask? You get one hold. So for my read of bad situation, I'm kind of just, uh, I'm relying on other senses. Hearing, I'm kind of like feeling the moistness in the air. And more particularly, I am smelling and what I would like to know is, uh, what's the best way to protect the, uh, protect the victims? So that will also let me know where the stench of goat is. No offense. Rainbow, not knowing what's happening, feels very proud for some reason. Because someone is <laughs> sniffing! <laughs> yeah, I took a little inspiration and I was just like, I smell. <laughs> Boy, you've handed me a tough one. Based on smell, Gavin? Well, I don't know. Listen, you put us in a difficult situation. I don't All know. Right. No, no, no. Okay. All right. I can't say no. Okay, but do you see the struggle of like, I want to smell. How do I protect these antelopes? Which, well, by the way, you said goats. They're antelopes. Oh, antelopes. My bad. Well, well, the question I wanted to ask is where are the victims? Because it's not on the list. I can't exactly answer it, so. Okay. So the sniff thing is more for just finding them, and then I can kind of suss out through vision they are. Okay. You've learned Uh, well, my student. (laughs) Over towards the other side of this room, just visible by the light that's being dispersed by the conches. Conches, is that what they're called? The flame things that sit on the wall? Sconces. Sconces. Sconces, sorry. Uh, By the sconces on the wall... You can smell these two antelope. I guess you can smell like the fear that's emanating off of them. Almost. Like oh, I was going for like animal smell wise. I didn't know they just. I I wasn't no, didn't know I could smell fear. <laughs> yeah, you you did this, man. But you also smell that like 
this like acidic, stingy to the nostrils sensation that is the exact same smell as the arachnid that you fought back up in the office. And that is in the exact same place. And somehow you intuit that the best way to protect these victims is to separate the antelopes away from the spider and also to free them of of the sticky white blanket that you saw them being dragged into this room on the security cameras. How's that? That works perfectly. Now that that whole conversation just happened in my head in less than a second, I shall dart to where Ava is because she knows where to hide. (laughs) While I'm over there, am I near one of these lights? I can't say that. Sconches. Near one of the sconches? Yes, you are. You are right underneath one of them. It's it's sconces. Oh, man. So Ava is going to grab one of the sconces. What are you doing? That's going to attract light. They're going to come near us. Yeah, but we can't see either, so maybe they can see. We'd be at a disadvantage anyways. Can't smell them over there? I mean, like, they must have been wearing cologne or something because it's a really strong sense. Uh, no. No, I can't. <laughs> can you point in the direction you smell them? Yeah, and Eli points over towards, like, the left-hand side of this room where you can see... There's like a statue or like a sculpture of a very old, like bald man sitting cross-legged and behind which you just kind of see this like very faint movement coming from. So... So... What now? You have this sconce. It's yours. And I want to make sure I'm understanding correctly. A sconce is, a sconce is like an open flame. Is that correct? What I'm thinking? Yep. Okay. How close am I to the next one of those? Uh, you'd have to kind of duck to the next little, like, exhibit, in a way. Um, it's maybe, like, ten meters away. I don't know what that is in feet. You guys know this by now. I don't know feet measurements. No, you're fine. Is that toward the spiders, away from them? Okay. Yes. So it is toward them. I'm gonna go pick up the second sconches. Roll act under pressure to do this thing, I guess, sneakily. So I, I, I assume you're trying to do this undetected in a way. Yes. Eight. You can scuttle to get to this next exhibit. You can either a, you'll maybe drop and spill the torch on your way, but you'll be able to make it to this next exhibit to get the next sconch. Um, or you can take this sconch, sconch, God. I'm just going to say torch, because I... Yeah, I was about to say, just go torch. Go torch. (laughs) Or you can get to this next one, and maybe you're going to bump into the exhibit and kind of create a lot of noise and, like, calamity while you do it. But if you make the noise, you'll get two torches. I'm going to go with option B. I'm going to make the noise. (laughs) We see Ava duck her way over to this next exhibit, um, and Ava, Ava, as you're trying to, like, shimmy your way across like staying out of the light and vision of like where you believe the monsters are yeah you trip and you bump into this exhibit and it's a large status of like this um anubis kind of looking character that kind of wobbles back and forth before it topples over and slams onto the cement floor beneath you in this temple and the boom just reverberates all throughout this chamber yeah (laughs) okay Then something you didn't expect happens. This chill kind of sets across the room. 
And it comes from behind you. Uh, Ava is gonna slowly turn around with both torches out. Ava, you turn around and maybe lean up against like the base of this statue. Illuminated in your torchlight is Eli's face and stepping out from the shadows steps forward the man with the black trench coat. Can I feel this? Yeah. You see Ava turn around and maybe her jaw just drops and a very icy cold chill runs up your spine and you get that real gross, creepy sensation that somebody is watching you and somebody is behind you. Uh, I will slowly turn around. Eli, you turn around and there's nothing there. Ava, you're looking at Eli and you see him staring at the man. Eli doesn't see him. Eli, you're staring at nothing. Trenchcoat, who I will refer to him from now on, Trenchcoat steps forward towards and at and then through Eli. Like cloud moving through a sieve, his form just dissipates immediately, like directly through Eli. And Eli, at this moment, you have like this a dozen icy knives stabbing all through your body. You don't take any damage, but you just get that sensation. And I think uh, maybe you kind of reflexively curl over. Oh yeah, I was about to say, yeah, Eli drops to his, he's like, oh. <coughs> and he does this without breaking eye contact with you, Ava, as he now steps between Eli and you. And he moves closer and he says, <laughs> Well, I didn't think I would see you here. Tell me, how's your mother? Uh, she doesn't even know what to say. She's just like staring at him, like not breaking eye contact. What do you know about my mom? He offers a small smirk. And then you see like from behind him, these like tendrils of this black smoke start to kind of billow outwards and it creates like this kind of bubble around the two of you. And he begins to laugh and he says, (laughs) Oh, come on now. Do I really need to remind you? And then Aver, you have another flashback and you're sitting in the back seat of the car. Your mother is in the front seat, singing along to whatever happy song is playing on the radio, and she's reaching back, tickling your toes as you sit giggling in the back seat. And then you see again that dark black inky cloud erupting from the tree line to the side of you. And as that wave of inky cloud crashes into the car you snap back and then you are once again in this space with trench coat it it was you wasn't it you were there that day all i can say is that you and your mother were not meant to be entangled in this 
story. I was... I was trying to get somebody else. And you see him turn ever so slightly and just look back at Eli. It doesn't matter if we weren't supposed to be involved because now I am. Because of you and your fucking mistake, I guess. I don't know. What were you even trying to do to Eli? That is... None of your concern. Oh, it's not my fucking concern. You, you fucked up my life. You killed my mom. I think I deserve an answer. I'm part of this. And if you are too, well, let's just say you better hope you're not. Ava, roll plus weird. As you feel in your back pocket a concentration of energy and vibration coming from your tarot deck. I got a nine. Ava, you feel this like vibration in your back pocket intensify. And you feel and watch as your tarot deck, the one that you obtained from your mother, flies out, the box opens, and all 52 cards whip out and all at once go to slice into trench coat. And as they fly across, they they don't meet anything. They just kind of pass through his body. And they whiz past him and they, they are now just kind of circling all around and they are striking him, all 52 cards, just in chaotic mess, trying to stab into this body, but meeting nothing. And then they form an order, and the order is like this giant rectangular shield as they kind of fly and float now between you and Trenchcoat. One by one, these cards neatly begin to now pack themselves away into the cardboard box that was kind of flung and disposed on the ground. And we watch as all 52 cards slip into this deck. The lid closes and is left there on the ground for you. She's she's gonna she's going for it. She's she's going for it. She's crawling like she is crawling on all fours to get that deck. And as soon as she gets it she like is like holding it close to her chest, kind of like hunched over. She's not even paying attention to Trenchy anymore. When you pick up this deck again, you're kind of left there in this moment and you feel more than you have ever been connected to your mother. And I think maybe you kind of close your eyes and you just savor this moment for a bit. And when you open them again, that dark black bubble is gone. Trench is gone, and it's just you and Eli. I don't. I don't think Ava can take this anymore. She, she is crying at this point, like, like ugly sobbing, like crying. This is too much for her.
Eli, you just saw this entire scene play out. You saw Ava talking to nobody. You saw the cards fly out of her deck and attempt to sort of fly around and pierce nothing, form a wall, and then sort themselves back into the deck and Ava went and collected it. And she is now just sobbing on the ground in front of you. And then you hear off to your left. Ugh, I always hated when they cry. And you look over and sitting very casually on one of these sarcophagi, trench coat. I stand. I look at him. Does he do anything or is he just staring back? He flashes you a look and he says, My, look how you've grown. It's good to finally find you. And Ava, you see Eli stand up and look across to uh, the sarcophagus, sorry, sarcophagus uh, to your right. And he is looking at nothing. I just need to know one thing before I do anything else. Did you do this? I'm not talking about just this. I'm not talking about just Ava. Did you do all of this? Monsters. You see him stand up and begin to casually walk his way across the top of this sarcophagus. And then he kind of like leaps across to the next exhibit. Like very casual, very like singing in the rain musical kind of style. And he he begins to say, (laughs) Dear boy, there are a lot of people in this world who are not driven. They tend to just make their way aimlessly through life. And then there are some that are driven. Your friend, Augustus, very, very driven. I am driven. But perhaps driven for reasons that you may not even understand. I did do all this. I did it for a purpose. A purpose that I believe you and I may share a common interest in. And he leaps now off the last exhibit and he steps to the sconch, the sconce, the f***ing hell. And he steps to the torch on the wall and he, he, he removes the torch and he starts walking towards the center of the room. And as he strides there, you see illuminated the two blanket bodies of the antelopes who are like kind of writhing and struggling. You see him step behind a configuration of candles on the ground, in the center of which has bird clippings and bones and other various kind of ritual things that you maybe can't quite recognize. What kind of common interest? Oh, I don't see why we have to share that information now. Come on, let's have a little bit of fun, you and I. After all, that's what it's all about, isn't it? I think Eli's fist is balling up to the point where he's white-knuckling. Speaking of fun... And he holds his hand out, and he has a full hand, all five fingers are on him, and he clicks. And from behind him, from the darkness, steps forward a woman with pale skin, a long, black flowing gown that billows all the way to the floor. And she stands 
with her arms folded behind her back. But her expression is hunger. And she stares with this hunger in her eyes at you, Eli. Eli, he's only been here for two days, I think it's been so far. He's encountered two monsters, already been injured more than he's ever been in his life, and he just keeps seeming to losing things, and, and everyone is not taking it seriously, at least in his eyes. So when he looks at this woman, he looks back to Trench, Trenchcoat, whatever his name is, and says, I'm done playing games. We all see, the viewers at least, and Ava maybe too, Eli has kind of been tensing up, but his kind of softens in terms of just relaxed gesture. His eyes, they go black, as you've seen before, but tears almost like start rolling down, and they start covering his body, black tears, and it goes down his skin, and down his clothes, and down his pants, and through his arms, and into his hair just completely encompasses him and it somewhat looks like the nega version of Eli. he's blackened over and has a very very light white outline about him i guess you could say if you're looking at it from a visual perspective mm -hmm. and his expression relax his eyes are dark as a void looks at the woman looks at trench and with as much speed as he can muster dashes towards them to just attack. Attack how? What are, you, what are you doing here? What are you using? Who are you attacking? I think I'll go for Trench first, since sure. he is the main focus of Eli's rage state. <laughs> Certainly. Just like magical claw strikes is the best way I can describe it. Right. Kind of like uh, just kind of his hand is kind of clenching that claw strike position and just doing as much as he can. Right, okay. Roll plus weird. Oh. Well, we came across two rare events that caused it to happen. Uh, I just rolled under seven on a magic roll. A fail? Yes. Sam. Sam. Bun. Go ape <laughs> Ava, you pop your head up and you've been sort of watching Eli move through this room following and like kind of talking to nothing like talking to just the air and your eyes follow Eli as he walks to the other end of this chamber and from the shadows this bald woman with pale skin and a dark black gown steps forward saying nothing but staring at Eli while Eli continues to look like just off to the right of her again at nothing and you see Eli's form kind of take this dark mode aesthetic. And he lunges out. You see Eli doing all of these maneuvers and all of these attacks to the air. And Eli, you're lunging out and you're trying to slice into trench coat, but none of your slices, none of your uh, attacks are hitting. They are just whizzing right through his form, one after the other. And I don't think you notice in the moment, but Ava definitely sees that you see Eli's dark magic kind of sparking off of him and they go ricocheting around the room. And Ava, you watch as one of these 
bounces off like a stone wall and with a wet thud sinks into the body of one of these antelope couple. And that body immediately stops writhing. When you realize that none of these attacks have landed and you're kind of heaving there in the moment, you sort of readjust your vision to look up and Trenchcoat has disappeared. Oh, that makes him even more angry. (laughs) And then the bald woman steps out of the shadows and directly in front of you, you can hear like that chittering coming from her. And when she steps out of the shadows, you see that there is more to her form than you perceived. You see a set of long black spindly legs splayed out from behind her with a large arachnid body that is attached to her. Step forward. She reaches a hand out, grabs you by your hair, lifts you up and throws you down to the other end of this chamber. Uh, And you go sliding and you bonk your head on one of these artifacts, dealing one damage to you. Currently unstable, folks. And then we change scenes as we now head over into the alleyway. A cool breeze wisps in the air. Trenchcoat has escaped, taking Augustus's vibrance with him. And Luz, you see Augustus kind of struggling to sit up. He, like, he's laying down on his back and he's struggling to sit up, but he can't quite get up on his own. But he's like moving and stuff. Like yeah, he's... yeah. I want to clarify. He's not dead. Um, hmm. Can I, ooh. <laughs> I'm going to look up at Rainbow and be like, are, are, you, are, you, are you able to like pick him up without biting his face off? Uh, I will quietly oof and then go over <laughs> to him and like nudge my, uh, my head under him and just keep nudging till he's draped like a kidnap victim over the back of a horse but across my shoulders <laughs> I think when you shimmy him up onto your shoulders he feels lifeless like there is barely any assistance coming from him and I think his top hat topples off and when it does this Luz you can see that the the color from his bright red hair has now faded to a milky brown gray And you can even see now that his clothing, which was like this, it had this green glow to it off of his green suit. That's also faded. And even the color of his skin has lost its life. He's he's become this like shadow of the man that you knew. Can I roll plus sharp to kind of do kind of like an intelligence check kind of? What do you want to do? Because I've been homeschooled and stuff and, and I do live in a magic world. So like... Is this something, is Vibrant something that has been talked about, basically? I want to see if I can try to find, like, a potential quick fix for this. Like, maybe something that could give him a little bit of life. Or if I know that he's absolutely screwed, I need to know that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just roll plus sharp for me. I think we're just going to, like, homebrew this roll. Okay. Kind of like a history check if it was D&D. Yeah. I got three. (laughs) 
Mark experience, though. I think that all you know is about Boggies and about Bogdan. Like, <laughs> all of the, that other <laughs> that you learn about is just kind of in one ear, out the other. You 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 forget what vibrance is and then, yeah. Okay. That is actually on brand. <laughs> I think I'm going... Like, the, the alleyway's completely empty. We don't see any pedestrians outside nope. or anything, like... Nope. And if if we walk out, we would just be in the city, right? Uh, yes, yeah. Do you think we should go back in there, or should we carry his body to safety? Hmm. I'm gonna do some considering ear flicks. You can hear the thinking gears turning. And then I am going to uh, very, very delicately, like, you can get a golden retriever to hold an egg in their mouth, and they won't break the eggshell. So I'm going to golden retriever yeah. grab uh, Luz's sleeve and start um, holding her hand as we walk oh. back towards the front of the uh, museum. Oh. Where um, are you? Sorry, where are you going? So you want to go back into the museum? Yes, we're going back inside. Okay. The problem is yeah. uh, we came down, we came down out of that hole. So I don't think that I without growing some opposable thumbs, would be able to go up. And there's no way I'm carrying a semi-unconscious man as a naked woman. I'm just not going to do that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm going to kind of tug away be like, like, uh, are we, we can't just go in there and fight when we have a almost dead guy, like, right here. Like, he, he's going to have to be taken care of. Like, we should probably take him to a place to actually rest and not where a big spider can go grab him and he has no possible way to fight and who knows where that trench coat guy is like i i, I if they get mad at us like whatever i i feel like i feel like ava would understand i feel like ava would understand if we had to carry our good friend gus back to the hotel or somewhere else and i don't care what eli thinks I don't think that would be pathetic of us at all if we just kind of prioritized, like, you know, a, a suffering dude over two people we don't know. And then, like, two people that have fights, like, handled most of the time uh, from, from what we've seen. Um, uh, I, I think I'm going to, like, grab my bag and just, like, hold it tight. Um, and, like, I'm just kind of shaking my head as I talk. And I think I'm pacing as I just try to justify what i'm trying to do in my head if 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 i need to drag his his body across the city while you go fight i i wouldn't blame you um it's not like people are just going to randomly jump me if anything i'd be taken in and arrested for carrying a freaking dead guy uh i feel like he could at least like uh, vouch for me and say that i'm innocent you know um i'm going to like cock my head ears like flopping back and forth just like hmm and inside rainbow's head because again i can't talk inside mm -hmm. rainbow's head is like i can't leave Luz, but she's very right we can't take gus into a bad place because and i'm gonna like jostle him uh and i assume he just sort of lolls around yep just like yeah, probably couldn't take him into a place full of bad things. But also, I don't know how far it is to help. And when I climbed in that hole, Eli and Ava didn't smell so good. And I really don't want to leave half the pack by themselves. 
But again, Luz really needs me. Hmm. Uh, I would like to roll read a bad situation and see if there's someone we could get to like sit on Gus and like take care of him while we oh. go inside. Is that read a bad situation? Yeah. Okay. Roll plus sharp to try and figure this problem you have, right? Ah. That's a seven, eight. You get to hold one. Okay. What's the best way to protect the victim? Which in this case, I am assuming is Augustus. Mm -hmm. You know that when you first went into the museum, off to the left-hand side, there was the gift shop, which was barricaded. Mm. So you could store Augustus in there while you two go and help Ava and Eli, and then come back for him. Okay, but if I'm going to put Corpse Gustus somewhere, it's going to be somewhere where there's not, like, walls that can be burrowed through, because this thing does burrow. Mm -hmm. So even if there is a door barricade, we have actual physical proof of us crawling through the tunnels that this thing burrows through the walls. Which, by the way, how thick are these walls? <laughs> More like, how strong are these spiders? I'm, I'm actually wondering if there's some kind of, like, otherworldly thickness to the walls, because normally it's, like, cinder block. That doesn't make for a good story. True, <laughs> true. You're right. But <laughs> if we're able to burrow through supernatural cinder block, then uh, our friend, the paperweight, is not safe in the gift shop. <laughs> okay. And Luz is unstable. That's like partly my logic right here. But and Rainbow is throwing down shade on Corpse Gustus. I'm glad <laughs> that someone adopted my name. Um, <clears throat> I was about to say, though. With me reading the bad situation, that's where I would take him. And I don't have a better solution unless there's some kind Samaritan on the street who's like, yeah, I babysit comatose people all the time. It's my job. It's like eight bucks an hour. Just pay me when you're done. I mean, it's kind of like a nurse's job sometimes. All right. Well, if it's a nurse, it's going to be like 24 bucks an hour. And that's a little exactly. bit out of my price range. Bad one. Um. But, like, legit, that is all I know. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm also fine with Rainbow going in and Luz dragging Gus <laughs> out to Raven's Rags. But no, I'm not leaving you. Okay. Because <laughs> we would be out in broad, stead daylight. That's very good. I am stronger than you, so I feel like I could get my way in a very gentle, immobile immovable object sort of way. But I also don't, Laura does not want to uh, oust, like, push Bun in a direction she does not want to go. I love this confliction. This is good. Yeah, <laughs> but again, Rainbow's strong enough to get her way. So <laughs> if I start walking towards the gift shop and I do that attempting to hold your hand thing again, but not like, you know, give me paw, more just like, let's go. That could be one solution. Me above table. I really want to go back in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm thinking of what Luz the character would want too, because she is unstable. Let, Rainbow can start dragging Luz along. Okay. <laughs> if you're also reticent, I could do another on the shoulders person and then just go extra <laughs> slow and just be like, I can make it. <laughs> now, when you step out of this alleyway, are you going, like, are you trying to hide the fact that you have Augustus or are you comfortable with the public seeing this scene? I think I think she she's gonna be like complaining about it the whole time <laughs> to take away any chance of stealth, anyways. <laughs> okay. All right, 
I was going to say because Augustus is like semi-famous in the public, I guess. Like he's an important figure. He may be noticed. He's a mm-hmm. political figure. He's yeah, he like he's he's kind of, you know, amongst the movers and shakers of the of the of the city, so. And you and know this Luz, so. What if I arrange him so that his head is on the other side? How many people are going to recognize him by his ass and thighs? <laughs> so many. Well, then you're going to have to roll for it. Okay, fair. Um, I'm going to say act under pressure plus cool. Do I have to Yeah, Luz, if you see what she's doing and you want to help out, roll plus cool as well. At least I have a plus in cool. And this will be no. to shimmy Augustus around and then also kind of like protect him from being seen, I guess. Like the two of you working together. I got seven. Twelve. Ooh. Okay, so. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Seven. Okay. Uh-oh. What? Okay. Oh, no. So Luz is like aggressively jazz handsing. <laughs> so Rainbow, you get a 12. So you get to do what you set out to do. Lou's got a mixed success, which grants plus one, but it also exposes them to trouble or danger. I think as you guys, as you two set out into like the main street up after this alleyway, you start walking along the sidewalk of the front facing of this building of, of the museum. And look, it's not a crowded street, but there are maybe half a dozen people in sight. Uh, as you start walking, though, nobody really like bats an eye at this scene. Except for when a passerby who is now like behind you, like back from where you guys came from, notices a top hat on the ground and they pick it up and they, they shout out to you and say, oh, hey, I think you um, think you dropped this. Um, I'm just going to look back because, again, Luz is not afraid because she, she thinks people should know that she is Gus's daughter <laughs> at this point mm-hmm. or adoptive. Mm-hmm. So she just kind of goes like, well, sorry. And uh, run like just walks back and takes it and just walks back with the rainbow. She she doesn't she doesn't panic or anything, but she is grumpy. That's genius. No, it's perfect. Whenever you're trying to like fly under the radar, you gotta act like you belong and like everything's fine. <laughs> Brilliant. Luz, you run up to this person and you it, it's a man with an with an owl head and he's kind of got he's like you know kind of Sunday best suit. On. James Hooter. And he, he, he dusts off the top hat and he hands it to you. And you reach down to grab it. And then you look up to say thank you. Except when you look up, the body is still the same, but the head is trench coat. Uh-oh. And he winks at you. And you reel back in shock and you, like, in that shock, you kind of snap out of it. And it is the owl-headed man again. I... Squint at him and just go, Thank you, sir. I hope your coat is extra frosty when you next put it on. And I'm going to just walk back to Rainbow. (laughs) Hmm. And I am grumpy and I am stomping. And as soon as I'm next to Rainbow, I am just going to be like, He is messing with us. I hate him. And I'm just going to keep walking, and I might even walk ahead of Rainbow. Is it bad that I want you to wear the top hat? Because actually, I think she hugs the top hat at first, and then she puts it on because she's sad and upset. Oh, and- baby. Luz, you flop this top hat on, and when you put it on your head, 
You feel like a ruffle of paper inside. Oh. I look at it. Yeah, you take it off and you pull out a burnt piece of parchment that is like uh, stuffed into the interior like um, hem of the top hat. And it reads, Are you going to take the deal? Oh, the hotel knew what was going to happen. <laughs> 